Thank you for tuning in to Coppin' with Comic. I'm Brian Coppin, and I'm here with comic Sue Funk. Sue Funk, how the hell are you? I'm good. Oh, good. Now, it's time to first plug where people can find you being hilarious in New York City and also where they can find you online if they're somewhere else. Um, you can find me every went, uh, fourth Wednesday at 7.30 at QED at Happy Place Comedy, which I host with Katie Compa. Okay, now what kind of show is that? It's a straight stand-up show, but we also have musical comedy to kick it off with Sean Hollenbach. He uh-huh. has some amazing videos on YouTube that people might know, like uh-huh. um, Don't Get Drunk at the Holiday Party, or no, Don't Get Wasted at the Holiday Party. Something House everybody Hunter. should watch, right? Yeah, and uh, Double Filter Face, which is with uh, drag queen Shea Coulee uh-huh. from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. So it's a pretty kind of, uh, if anybody wants just a hilarious time, they come to your show, which is Happy Place, yeah. and they can see all that. Yeah. All that in one show. Yeah. And, and like that's why it's been running comics. forever, right? Like, this has just been going on for... Yeah, I think it's like, as long as QED's pretty much been around. Which is, here, de- is it decades is now or, t- like, years and years? Years and years. Oh, my yeah. Lord. Yeah. That's, a, that's a heady distinction. Yes. So good. <laughs> and then um, what, what else do you have going on kind of online if people are not in the New York City area and they can't take advantage of Happy Place every fourth Wednesday? Yes, uh, then, and it's a, that's a new day, right? It used yeah, to be. Okay. it used to be Thursdays. Um, so we're excited for the earlier time because uh, it's exciting to get to bed early. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, everybody's more more likely to come if they don't have to come out to like a twelve thirty mi- midnight show exactly. or something like that. Yeah, and then um, yeah, online, where can people find you? I know I follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at the Sue Funk on all uh, social media profiles. The Sue Funk. Yeah, and the last name is spelled F U N K E. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, what we're going to talk about today is you actually also have interesting day jobs, or you've had them, and they were almost in the area of maybe police procedurals, true crime? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I work for A&E Networks during the day. I am a social media strategist, and uh, I work on a show called Live PD, which is basically, it's similar to the show Cops. We follow precincts uh, across America live, um, and it's uh, 9 p.m. to midnight on on Fridays and Saturdays, and then on Mondays we follow EMS workers and firefighters on live rescue oh. from uh, nine to eleven. So it wasn't Dan Abrams, the legal correspondent on one of those. Like he yeah, used to be a big talking head legal guy, PD. and he's yeah. live PD. Yeah. So he talks about things like you know whether or not. And I I, I was a former lawyer, nowhere yeah. near what Dan Abrams <laughs> is. And so that would be interesting because he has to talk about what the requirements of probable cause and unreasonable search and seizure and things like that. Yeah, he o- offers legal insight, and then we have um, a ple- two. Uh, police correspondents, uh, Tom Morris Jr., who used to work on America's Most Wanted, uh-huh. and Sean, uh, his nickname, Stix Larkin, is Sticks a sergeant. <laughs> you <laughs> should a have sergeant. a cool name like that. Yeah. Like the Sue Funk <laughs> and Stix Larkin. Yes. I love that. <laughs> and uh, Tom Morris Jr. and I uh, started a podcast uh, as a spinoff from the show. It's called yeah. PD Stories. And now how is that, you know, for people who watch live PD, how is PD Stories similar or different? So we kind of take a a step back, and instead of being live in the field, we're talking about stories that you've maybe never seen with some of the officers from the show and from other departments across America and other kind of jurisdictions. So we've talked to people from the FBI. We had an FBI profiler um, who is one of the most famous profilers ever. Her name is... 
uh, I wish I could remember. Her first name is Mary. It's an amazing episode. We talked to one of the, we've talked to several people from the NYPD now. Um, and we've talked to U.S. Marshals who are f- fascinating. U.S. Marshals is the oldest uh, law service in America. Yeah. They were like, you know, that's what Westerns were based off of. But now they are kind of the guys that go out and get people who have outstanding warrants. Like and federal warrants and things yeah. like that? Okay. So they're now, fascinating people. And so how, I mean, that lends itself to fascinating comedy, but is there any overlap mm-hmm. between your personal act, your stand-up act, and any of this stuff? Have you been able to borrow from your day job at all? Uh, you know, it's weird. I I don't really because my job is so, you know, police work is very serious. You know, there are yeah. some crazy things that happen on Live PD for sure that are very funny. Yeah. Americans are funny people yeah. and do weird things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it hasn't really go- come into my routine because my routine is more like my everyday life and reactions to things and people. Um, and kind of my worldview and the view of live PD and PD stories and that kind of stuff is so much more, not to say dark, but just so different that it's like, it's harder to find humor there. Yeah, it's the dark side of the world, whereas your worldview is a little bit lighter, I would think. Or yeah. kind of what is your worldview? If somebody had to kind of look at you from from space, look at your comedy from space, what do you think um, you as a unique comic ha- have as far as insight um, you know, what's your unique slant on the world? How do you view it? What, you know, is it rose-colored glasses or is it just, sh- you know, shit, shit-covered glasses? I think, you know, it's a little bit rose-colored. <laughs> I think I am kind of an optimist, but yeah. I think I also, like, I talk a lot about just how, like, I have a friendly face and I just, people just tell me all sorts of random stuff <laughs> in my life. And then and you say them into the microphone for laughs, Exactly. Right? Like, there's just been a lot of quirky experiences and I think that my reaction to them is also, like, I don't really get mad at things that have set me back. I kind of find the humor there. Oh, good. So I think it's just a lot of like weird and crazy things that have happened to me where I'm kind of like, this is kind of ridiculous and there's something funny here. Good, yeah, because everybody's had that ridiculous thing happen to them. And um, it's just great when somebody who's funny can <laughs> can collect them all in just yeah. a hilarious, punchy stand-up routine. Now, I guess I, I was reading this book on stand-up comedy, and I, I think it was dated. It was an e-book, but I think it was really dated. It might be Judy Collins or somebody like oh, yeah. that. And, um, and one of the things that she said, which was just bizarre, w- is almost storytelling is not really ideal. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, people just go through a story. Maybe there's not a lot of punches, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe that's not funny. But if you use it as a joke role with the story as the, na- the kind of the navigating narrative principle, then it works. I mean, like people like Birbiglia or oh, Mulaney, yeah. like they're doing stories all the time now. Yep. That. Do, do you think it's dated? And are your kind of anecdotes from real life, are they stories? And how do you kind of keep them funny? And isn't it just stupid that somebody would say story storytelling is just not... I mean, you know, do you include a lot of stories or is it just you really try to be almost just like joke roles, even though it's a story? I'm not so much. I think that storytelling is really hard. And I think that's something that's, you know, not all comedians are great storytellers. There is a difference between a story and a joke. I think it's a matter of if you're a funny storyteller, you're good at peppering it with jokes. And that's what I think good, like comedians like Berbiglia and, um, you know, the alt comics that I came up with, like, you know, they're all really good at storytelling because they, they really give these funny little details, you know, like 
even like Birbiglia's sleepwalk with me, the fact that he, it, the whole incident happens in a La Quinta, you know, yeah. like, just that, that word alone is funny. Yeah. You know? And even if it didn't, it's good. He picked that hotel chain. Exactly. The now, so do you do stories then? I mean, are, you know, the, all, all comics you came up with, you know, they're doing stories now. Are, are you doing it? And is it just you have an eye for which stories naturally have all those hilarious details? Because I mean, if you pick the right yeah. stories, you're actually picking a collection of jokes. Yeah, I would say some of like some. I think a lot of my jokes are from stories, and they come into like themes. So oh, okay. like, I'll tell a joke about like I have a joke about how I was invited to a coke party, and it was the most ridiculous invite I've ever gotten in my life. Uh, and then I go into like. The my details of the invite and, okay. oh, and the details of the invite. Oh, that sounds just, like a Stefan bit or whatever. You just lace <laughs> that thing with hilarity, right? Yeah. So okay. it's just like the whole setup of it is just, you know, that's a story that leads into jokes kind of thing. Okay. Now, and and as far as like, you know, I'm watching all these true crime things and these police procedurals and I was watching Flint Town on Netflix, which was mm-hmm. the, just them going into, I mean, it, of course it's not live because it's Netflix, but they were going through these, you know, police officers tackling crime in Flint, which is notoriously mm-hmm. difficult. And one of the things I liked was all the diverse people's stories. You know, how yeah. the, the white woman shows up and they're immediately pay, playing the race card. And then immediately the, the you know, officers of color, they're shooting that down. They're like, no, lady, you just got to shut up. You are not, you know, you guys are totally in the wrong here. It has nothing to do with skin color. This is the, you know, this is not a racist police sergeant in, in front of you right here. Like what you're doing is incorrect. Um, now, so I mean, the diversity was interesting to me. And as far as your show, I know it's diverse. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you've already said it's a collection of varying talents and things like that. What role do you think diversity plays in just being a valuable commodity on its own? Like, you know, it's for a va- valuable. Yeah, well, yeah, for, for stand up, yeah. you know, I, and I guess you probably see it in your day job, too. Yeah. But just kind of like, do, do you view diversity as per se interesting and something that just makes everything better? Because I think it kind of mm-hmm. does. I think um, a lot of lineups are white males. I think it's been shown time and time again. Yeah, has there been any stu- studies on that? Yeah. There must have been. There yeah, ha- I mean, 100%. I think it's just kind of the way America can be sometimes. Right. But um, something that uh, and I, I can't take total credit for it. Katie Kampa does the booking, and she does an amazing job. And But we're always really very... You know, we want to make sure that there's a voice for everybody in the audience. So we're very conscious of when we book. We want to make sure that it's not somebody... Everybody does the same type of comedy. You don't want to see... You want the, what, that's one of the great things about comedy is the f- way that it makes you feel connected to people. Yeah. And if every single c- comedian kind of has the same viewpoint, and I'm not saying all white males have the same comedic viewpoint, but I think when you have someone from the same socioeconomical class over and over and over on the stage, you're going to get a similar perspective. So what we try and do is just give everybody different perspectives. So no matter who you are in our audience, I mean, we're in Queens. This is one of the most diverse places in the world. You know, like we want everybody to feel welcome here and to be like, oh yeah, no, that's exactly like my family or that's exactly like my boss. And, or I have that kind of feeling when I go into the store, you know, that kind of thing. I think is something just really important for comedy in general, you know, like being able to share that with any sort of, you know, somebody who's more diverse, you know, who has a diverse, a background that's diverse from my own. Mm -hmm. If I were to hear that they're kind of having some of the same experience or all together, together, different experiences, I'm like, well, oh, that's awesome. That's super interesting. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. I didn't know that there's people walking next to me on the street who just are just having a diametrically opposed experience to me. It's like when you're hearing about all these, you know, you're starting to see cell phone camera videos of just police 
policing gone wrong. And you're like, I didn't know <laughs> that people have such a, a different experience. But but just even with comics, it's like, you know, I think white males might get on the mic most because white I mean, males think we're hilarious. You know, that might be a, a, ma- a that, male that female thing. That is a common thing. Uh, yes. <laughs> and you kind of notice that. And you know, and interacting with these people on your bill, just personally, kind of. Um, What's been your experience, without throwing anybody under the bus, what's been your experience working with, you know, men and women and how they, you know, any insecurity with women, you know, as the big, oh, you know, women aren't funny and, of course, you know, and Bill, Bill Burr was like, a, of course they're hilarious. I mean, yeah. women are just hilarious. You know, Eliza is one of the funnier people. I and, feel like it's an antiquated thought now. Okay. I think we've just proven that wrong. I mean, I think if anybody's been in the comedy business, um, women are really the gatekeepers to comedy. I think Cambry was just talking about this, and I took that sentence from her, Cambry Cruz, who runs QED. I mean, for so long, women have been the people who produce and run comedy shows not just shows, but also clubs. And there are a lot of, you know, bookers on like late night are females. So I I do think that like women might not have been known for their humor because women weren't always allowed to speak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think that women have always been a great judge of humor. Um, And I think that, you know, it's just so funny when I like think about anybody saying that because most of my friends are female comedians, yeah. and when I get around them, I laugh so hard. Yeah. It's, just, it's such a treat, and I just think that it's crazy to think that, like, just because we have a uterus. I mean, we have to bleed for a week every month. How That's do you not up. find humor? You got to. You have to. I, I would not believe that. Like, I'm all <laughs> taking pride in my ability to... Uh, just do the normal man things, but to also have that female thing one whole week. A so twenty-five percent of your experience from yeah. from from most of your life you is just make, bleeding make out the crotch. Something funny there. Yeah, and so do we. Um, <laughs> and so so now because the notion is so antiquated that women, you know, of course, women aren't funny. Women aren't funny, being just kind of a, a prevailing narrative or whatever. Is there no? Are you guys even over any insecurity that was ever there? Because meaning, like fifty years ago or a hundred years ago, or whenever women started getting in comedy, it, there might have still been a couple, you know, insecure moments among those female comedians. But now, is if it more? You, you guys just laugh at it. Be a comedian. If you're, if you have, like, if you're going on stage and you're a comedian, your insecurity is pretty much just a normal comedian. It doesn't have anything yeah. to do with your gender or your race. Like, you're just there. You know, like I think there's nothing I've never gone on stage and been like oh they're not gonna like me because I'm a woman they're right. not gonna like me because they might not like my joke yeah that's you a bi- that's a bigger like, thing to worry about I yeah. think that's really you know I, I mean and it's just just thinking about all the hilarious talent in you know like Jess Wood Micah Fox Katie's hilarious Katie Kampa I mean Leah Bonima I mean I could go Kendra Cunningham, Katina Crea, like there's just and Marina I, Franklin recently yeah. did a pretty good one. Then I liked, but even you know Ellen's g- g- recent one was great. All of Eliza's were great. I mean, even even uh, Nikki Glaser, yeah. she's a little bit of a misdirection comic, but one of her, I think her recent stand-up special, not the Degenerates one, but the Netflix one. I was like, man, she's really doing well. Like I don't like, you know, her sex jokes are fine, but you know, in the form of misdirection that you don't believe the mm-hmm. punchline, like you know, so it's actually you know, I was, you know, here's this thing with its bum, this person blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then I had sex with him it's like ah 
I don't know if you did because your last joke was being in a serious relationship or something like that. But it's mm -hmm. good, yeah. So as far as from your point of view, of course, there's no insecurity beyond the what will they laugh at my jokes. But yeah. even as a troupe of women, female comedians, you probably are just laughing at any notion that there's any dude on the scene who's funnier than you guys. Well, I don't think it's like a funnier. Like, I think there's no real like, oh, this person's the funniest and this person's funny. Like, I I think that to, to do comedy in general is ballsy to yeah. for lack of a better term but i think you know there's no like oh he's better than i'm better it's that's the great thing about stand-up it's a it's a game against yourself yeah you aren't i think most stand-ups are like part of being a stand-up sometimes is like cutting yourself without the blood you know like <laughs> it, it's so you are really putting yourself out there and being so vulnerable that yeah. i never think of myself as like I'm better than him or her. It's like, I want to be better than my last set. I yeah. want to make everybody feel so great out of that room that everyone's laughing and their sides hurt and we're feeling good, you know? Like, it's not a competitive sport, you know? Like, I think that's one of the great things about stand-up that sets it apart from, like, improv or sketch is that it's really you against you. Yeah and how strong you can be out there on so the stage. So it's almost like a personal best. It's almost like a runner thing yeah. where you're like, you know, I might not win this marathon, but I still have beat myself, you know, the same time last year. Absolutely. You know, at New York, you know, I, my personal best now is making this whole room full of people laugh. Now, now, if I want to laugh my ass off, I'm going to come to Happy Place, QED. Happy, Happy Place Comedy, The QED. fourth Wednesday of every month, or is it the yep, third? the fourth Wednesday. So that's coming up on January... 22nd? Yeah, let's see if our 20th? calendar brain is correct. Okay. And then do you know who's going to be on this upcoming show? Um, I should, but I forgot. Okay. I would have been a much better producer. But ah. I know that it's going to be Katie Kampa, Sean Hollenbach, and myself. Okay. And then uh, a bunch of other great comedians that are going to have you guys having a great time. Good. I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for coming in, Sue Funk. Thank you. Okay.